Hello everyone and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm a teacher, a mom, freelance writer, blogger, TV guest, and podcast host. And you are listening to episode 48 of the show. Right now, as I am recording and as this episode will be released, we are in the middle of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. And I thought about whether to release a new episode or not, but I figured I do this while I'm at home and I'm at home for a long time right now. So I thought we would proceed with an episode. Today, I am going to be sharing some excellent book recommendations, which might be helpful for you while you are stuck at home, as well as a great website, which also has an app for home workouts. So again, something that might help if you are in you know, quarantine, self-isolation, practicing the whole social distancing thing. And then my very special guest today is Lindsay Seely. So she is the author of a great new book called Rooted, Resilient, and Ready, Empowering Teen Girls as They Grow. So she is going to be joining me later. And you know, if you have a teen or you have a daughter soon to become a teen, you're going to want to listen to this. And you know, you're probably spending a lot of time with her right now too. So the timing may be very helpful for that one as well. So very glad that you are joining us and stick around for that interview. Kicking things off with some book recommendations. So the first one is the April Choice for the This Mom Loves Virtual Book Club. And again, in all of this um, time of social distancing, maybe you're missing a book club and a virtual book club is a great, uh, a great option. If you go on Facebook, you can search for us, This Mom Loves Virtual Book Club. You can request to join. Everybody gets approved. We would be happy to have you. And we, you know, post discussion questions throughout the month. You can read at the very top kind of some notes that explain um, how it all works. But we'd be very happy to have you. And for the month of April, we will be reading In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. So this was a Good Morning America pick, a fab fun pick as well. I didn't even know that when I decided it. I got an advanced review copy a few months ago and kind of held on to it because I knew it was being released in March and that it would be perfect to save for April. So what I would like to do is just read you the publisher's description. Where do you see yourself in five years? When type A Manhattan lawyer Danny Cohen is asked this question at the most important interview of her career, she has a meticulously crafted answer at the ready. Later, after nailing her interview and accepting her boyfriend's marriage proposal, Danny goes to sleep knowing she is right on track to achieve her five-year plan. But when she wakes up, she's suddenly in a different apartment with a different ring on her finger and beside a very different man. The television news is on in the background and she can just make out the scrolling date. It's the same night, December 15th but 2025, five years in the future. After a very intense, shocking hour, Danny wakes again at the brink of midnight back in 2020. She can't shake what has happened. It certainly felt much more than merely a dream, but she isn't the kind of person who believes in visions. That nonsense is only charming coming from free-spirited types like her lifelong best friend, Bella. Determined to ignore the odd experience, she files it away in the back of her mind. That is until four and a half years later, when by chance, Danny meets the very same man from her long-ago vision. Brimming with joy and heartbreak, in five years is an unforgettable love story that reminds us of the power of loyalty, friendship, and the unpredictable nature of destiny. So, I mean, really, do you need to hear any more? 
order yourself a copy. Your local bookstore may be closed um, and you might still be able to order online as of today as I'm recording. That is still an option, um, but there's always eBooks. I mean, Kindle, that sort of thing, you can have right to your device right now. So if that's an option for you, and even if that's something you haven't looked into before, you might wanna start looking into that now because um, libraries, all sorts of places are all closed. I know around here anyway, so if you're going to be getting new material, reading it um, on a device might be your, your only option at one period when, you, uh, when you've run out of all your hard copies at home. The next book I want to recommend is historical fiction called The Other Windsor Girl, and it's by Georgie Blalock, and it's a novel of Princess Margaret Royal Rebel is the, the subtitle. So it's it's a really good book. Um, as I mentioned, historical fiction. So it is about Princess Margaret, but really the story is about um, one of her ladies-in-waiting, an actual imagined lady-in-waiting, um, Vera Strathmore. And so it's Vera's story, her fictional story. However, all of Princess Margaret's history is woven in through there. Um, through the eyes of Vera. So you'll definitely learn, um, you know, a lot about that sort of royal era, um, but in a fun fictional way too. So that's The Other Windsor Girl, a novel of Princess Margaret, Royal Rebel by Georgie Blalock. And then the last book I wanted to recommend today is Carrie Underwood's new book. So this is another one um, I received a free review copy of. So it's called Find Your Path, Honor Your Body, Fuel Your Soul, and Get Strong with the Fit 52 Life. Now, by the time this episode is um, available to you, my full review of Carrie's book will be up. I've written up a review of 10 things that I love about this book. So a few things that I really like. One is that, you know, she kind of picked a focus. So this is that health and fitness lifestyle focus. Lots of specifics about actual food she eats, recipes, um, exercise, like tons and tons of information about her workout programs, right with the photos and the reps and the sets and all that stuff so that you can kind of follow along. There is one chapter all about her legs. She says she gets asked that a lot in terms of fitness because she's got those great strong legs. And if you're looking for, you know, sort of celebrity tell-all or that kind of thing, this is not that book. Um, tons of beautiful color photography, I think, from her home. It could be, you know, a stage, a stage set somewhere, but it's somebody's beautiful home. You know, her cooking in the kitchen and all those sorts of things. So, that's kind of neat. And she does make reference to her kids. She uh, makes reference to her husband, Mike Fisher, as well. And she's very um, easygoing on the whole vegetarian front, talking about how she doesn't eat meat, but she doesn't judge people who do. Mike eats meat. So even with her recipes, she'll tell you, you know, what Mike likes to add into that recipe or whatever. So she is very much that direction, but not judgy about it. So so it's a good read that way. Um and it's kind of just one of those nice coffee table books, like I said, that's beautiful to flip through and, and get ideas. So if you want to read that full review, I will link to it in the show notes for this episode at thismomloves.ca slash podcasts. And again, this one is episode 48. This episode is brought to you by This Mom Loves by Hidden Gems by Raquel, which is my new jewelry collaboration with Hidden Gems by Raquel. And I know I joked in the last episode how a friend was teasing me about sponsored content, but this post is not sponsored. I just bring it to you out of the goodness of my heart and my creative urges. And so I do want to get a little plug in for um, for a product that I helped to uh, help create with um, with Raquel Paulo. She, of course, is the, the jewelry designer and 
again, the one who hand makes all of this lovely work right here in Canada, made to order. We have three beautiful bracelets. One is a bangle bracelet where you get to pick the birthstones that go on it. Um, so it's got a nice stainless steel heart dangling charm and then birthstone charms of your choice. There is also the Olivia that's sort of the white look. It's got the howlite stones, um, hematite stones, and um, a little dangling double silver heart on that one as well. Of course, the whole This Mama Loves heart theme. And another one that's proving really popular is the Eva. So it's the pink opal stones and rose gold hematite and then a little pink and gold heart. So it's got kind of that pinkish if you want more color as opposed to, um, as opposed to the more neutral Olivia look. And it has lava stones on it as well, which can be used for diffusing essential oils. And I know a lot of people are really into kind of the meaning of stones and the benefits that people think they have. So if you go to um, go to the show notes and if you want to check out information about the collection, there's information there too about uh, what people believe the, the properties are of those stones. For me, it's just more about... Um, you know, the bracelet's looking beautiful and right now it's great to shop online and maybe um, have something cheery <laughs> come in the mail. The Olivia and the Eva also come in mummy and me so you can get the woman's size and then a slightly smaller kid's size. If, um, if you have a teen daughter and you think you might need it bigger, you can let Raquel know, but you do get um, the woman's and then the slightly smaller size so that you can uh, twin with your little girl if that is something that you and she might like. So again, that information will all be in the show notes, but you can also go to um, the website for Hidden Gems by Raquel and the This Mom Loves by Hidden Gems by Raquel collection will be right there. And we are so, so appreciative of your support. We love seeing people um, posting their bracelets, tagging us on social media. We keep sharing away. It's like, I always say when I get messages like that, it's like Christmas, like, oh, somebody got a bracelet and they're showing it online. It really does, uh, does make me happy. So thank you for that. Next up in the lifestyle segment, I just want to tell you about Has Fit. So as anybody who follows me knows, I'm a huge treadmill lover. I talked about my treadmill desk not too long ago. I've never been much of one for strength training. And I think, I think it's because what I like about my treadmill, or even if I walk outside, I've got a podcast on, I've got something in my ears. When I'm on my treadmill, I'm working on my, my laptop, or even I'm just binge watching Grey's Anatomy. And I kind of focus on something else. The exercise is happening at the same time. I know people say you can't multitask, but I'm very efficient at walking and doing something else. It seems to be working okay for me, except I guess for the time that I fell and injured myself when I was walking on the road. But we won't talk about that one right now. Let's just focus on um, moving into strength training. So strength training I've always found not as motivational because I'd be looking at a program and, okay, how many reps do I have to do of this? And how many sets? And am I done yet? And is this the right form? And you have to pay attention to the video or the magazine or whatever you're trying to follow. So I thought, okay, after reading Carrie Underwood's book, I really truly did get motivated by her. And it's not even just about how you look either. Definitely, I love the idea of looking a bit more toned, but I know there's so much research to show, especially for women and your bones as you age and all of that stuff, how important strength training is for your body. So I'm trying to make an effort to improve that. So I Googled online. I just searched, I don't know what the search term I put in. I think it was something along the lines of strength training, videos, online, free, beginner, something like that. And has fit, H-A-S stands for heart and soul, has fit popped up as one of the options. 
And you know what? I'm really, really liking it. So you can use their app, the HasFit app, but I've been using it on, um, on my laptop as a website. So what I love about them is you can do a search to find the workout that you want. So you can put in keywords or you can put in a workout length. I mean, it can be as short as five minutes for some of their workouts. I don't know how long they go. I think the longest one I've done has been 20 some minutes um, to this point. Maybe they go way longer. Fitness level, I keep choosing beginner. Workout type, there are cardio options, all sorts of different things if that's how you want to get your cardio too. For me, I'm doing this for strength. So I just click on strength training. And then muscle group. So it could be whole body, which I've done one whole body workout that was in the 27 minute range or whatever that I really liked, but then you can also narrow it down. So I think I've done a few different workouts this past week and one I picked upper body, one I picked lower body, one I picked abs and then back to the beginning again kind of thing. And I do have a set of dumbbells and I will admit to you right now, they're only five pounders. Um, laugh at me if you want, but um, that's what I'm using right now. And so you do all of those choices and then it filters your workout and then you can pick exactly what you want. So I really like that. They've got um, two trainers, a female and a male. So usually the female is kind of showing a modified down to beginner version for a lot of these things. And then um, the guy is doing sort of the regular, regular version. Um, there's some talk, like obviously when you're starting each exercise, they're telling you what to do. But then once you paid attention to that, you can kind of just go ahead and do it. Any of the videos I've done, they're not about counting reps. It's more doing the exercise for whatever their predetermined length of time is. And then, and then you're done and you move on to the next one. So you just fit in as many reps as you can in that time. So there's no counting or anything. So I kind of still have my Grey's Anatomy binge watching um, happening in the corner while I'm following along with whatever their exercise is. And then, okay, oh, now they've changed it up. Let me pay attention here. And then, okay, back to whatever's going on with Derek and Meredith. So they don't chatter too much. There's a little bit of that, you know, oh, come on, this will be worth it and whatever, but not too, too much. And the exercises have been super easy to follow. I find them challenging enough for my beginner level. Like I've been sore the next day in all the right spots, which makes you feel kind of accomplished. So since I know gyms are closed, I know here where we are now, if you are looking for something, I would definitely recommend checking out Has Fit for your workouts. And just before we get to my special guest today, if you are looking for me on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves and on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. My website is thismomloves.ca. Podcast show notes, all of that great stuff is there. And actually, I um, set a new record for myself with page visits uh, last week when I did a segment on the morning show, I Skyped in for the first time as opposed to being in studio, but it was all about keeping kids learning during the school closures. And we talked about, um, we talked about whether we should be worried at this point, which, you know, as things stand the day that I'm recording this, we think the kids are going to be off here in Ontario two extra weeks. Is that going to change? Maybe likely, I don't know. Um, but we talked about how worried we need to be about that, what parents can do at home, that sort of thing. But my message really was to, for parents not to stress. I think a lot of parents thought, oh my gosh, I have to start being a homeschool teacher as of tomorrow when they're looking for things and whatever. So my message is to try to help people to not worry about that so much. 
but um, you can see right there on the first page of my website on the homepage, you can find that video. And then also I included a long list of things I've found either that I've used myself or that someone has recommended and I've kind of taken a peek at that ah, that's worth other people checking out too. So there's a long list of resources that you can use with your kids as well. So again, thismumloves.ca on the homepage, you'll see that post about um, kids learning during school closures and you can find that information. And in one day it, um, certainly exceeded any other one day traffic that I have ever received. So clearly people are looking for this information and maybe you are too, and that's where you can find it. I am so excited to welcome my guest today, Lindsay Seely. She is the author of the brand new book, Rooted, Resilient and Ready empowering teen girls as they grow. And I mean, I have a 14-year-old and a daughter about to turn 12, so I am so excited to uh, to pick her brain for all of her knowledge. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. Let's just start out, if you wouldn't mind, telling us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do with your day job. Sure. So about seven years ago now, I started a company called Bold New Girls because my whole background and experience was in education. But what I really started to tap into is how much I enjoyed working with girls and how much they needed to talk before the learning. They needed to just share their day and their feelings. And so I decided that um, I really wanted to create something that was it was mine and following my dreams and what was I most passionate about. And it became this perfect blend of working with girls, empowering them through education and learning to learn skills and also through personal growth. And that includes anything where it, when it comes to self-confidence and self-esteem and dealing with girl drama and just really figuring out their voice and having that confidence to share it. And so most of my work is one-on-one with the girls themselves. And I hear a lot from them and we really have great conversations. And some of my work now is with parents consulting and I've branched out, as you know, into writing books and speaking, but I would say what I enjoy the most is my work with the girls. Now, congratulations on the new book. I have read it cover to cover twice when I first got it. And then again, preparing for this interview, it's excellent. I highly recommend it for anyone with teen girls, or even if your girls are younger and you want to prep, or even anyone who works with teens. So excellent book. And I actually just have a question a little off script. With the whole coronavirus situation, has that impacted the whole book release and your plans for what you're going to do around it? I'm not sure... It's hard to tell. I think we're all processing day by day, but at first I was upset that I didn't get to do some of the traveling that, that we had booked and we were excited about doing a lot of media in other, other cities. But then I started to think about it differently. I mean, first of all, we all have a lot more time on our hands these days. So people are going to want something to do. And I hope that part of that is, is reading my book, grabbing a copy. But maybe more importantly, I feel like my book is offering hope. And I'm so happy. I can't tell you how much that makes me feel that this book, I I wrote it for obviously parents in raising their girls in general. But now I think, wow, what an excellent time for them to read the book, put the skills to practice and just maybe focus on something that's that's positive and that's within our control. So it has this whole other meaning that I could not have anticipated. And I think in a way, um, regardless of sales, I just think that I feel like I'm doing something and that makes me happy. 
That's great. Let's dive right into the content of Rooted, Resilient, and Ready. So you talk about parenting styles and you say that you recommend the periphery parent. Can you explain what that is? Sure. Well, I think most people are familiar with the parenting terms in popular culture. There's the tiger mom and the helicopter parent. And I was really trying to think about something fresh. I wanted to bring new ideas to this book. And I thought of this idea of a circle. Circles are a big part of the work I do with girls. And where are parents on this circle? And I I think that as teens grow, the parents take this position of being on the periphery. So what that means is, first of all, we want our teen girls to be in the center of their own circles, strong and secure and starting to make their own choices and decisions and even starting to make their own mistakes. But they really need the space and the room to grow. We, in turn, are to take a few steps back and stand on the periphery. And that is a very active parenting approach where you're watching your teen girl, you're guiding her, you're asking her questions, you're saying, I am here for you. I am your safety net. And I believe in you that you can start doing a little bit more on your own. And that's not to say we are checking out or too far out of the circle, too far back that we're unaware of what's happening and not attuned. But I think it's giving her a little bit of space and at the same time being willing and ready to jump into the circle when it comes to bigger, tougher concerns that we don't want her navigating on her own, such as as mental health. But I just, I see it as such a natural way to parent, which girls tell me all the time is what they want. They want a chance to figure it out and they're okay with making mistakes. But when we're too close, we don't allow them to grow. You have the book divided into some great sections and chapters that kind of reflect different things that that teen girls might be going through and great advice as well for how parents can sort of help or hinder with those issues. So let's start with developing their identity, figuring out who they are, which is separate from us as they grow. It can be scary as a parent. What are some ways parents can help or maybe some mistakes parents might make when it comes to that whole identity piece? Yeah, well, she's definitely in a stage of flux. I mean, she's figuring out what she likes, uh, who she is, and where she belongs. And I think one of the ways that we can best support her is allowing her to explore. And I think that's sometimes scary for parents because they want their daughters to be a certain way. They have an idea of how their daughter should be and the choices that she should make. But I think that we have to trust in this process and not hinder it. So meeting her where she's at means allowing her to try on some different identities and to maybe hang out with different people that are influencing her in different ways. But I believe ultimately they'll make good and healthy decisions for themselves if we allow them to be. So I think one of the best ways to help is accept her for who she is today and trust in the fact that that won't be who she is tomorrow, that she's really just figuring out and becoming. And that will give her a lot of of confidence knowing that we trust her. I think one of the ways that we interrupt the process or or we hinder are those expectations. I wanted my daughter to be a girly girl or I wanted my daughter to be athletic. And when that doesn't match the reality, I think parents do do try to force it a little bit or or give them labels that, that they, they don't want or they don't fit anymore. Excellent. And then perfectionism and inadequacy. So how rampant is that as an issue with teen girls? And then again, how can we help or hinder? I think it's pretty rampant. So I call it supergirl syndrome. I think girls feel that 
they have to be all things to all people. I know the world is, is sending them some pretty powerful messages that are positive. They can do anything. But I think what a lot of girls hear is that they have to do everything. And they're putting this pressure on themselves or feeling this pressure. And it's not necessarily true or healthy. So I think this push is often the push to achieve and to accomplish. And unfortunately, I think the root of that is this not good enough feeling. So not smart enough, not beautiful enough, not talented enough. So girls are on this mission to prove their worth. And I think that that's the pressure they're feeling, that they're so concerned what other people think and they want to do everything, like I said. But I think one of the ways we can best support perfectionism is actually flipping the script on her. So instead of proving her worth and trying to achieve and accomplish everything and so much and impress people and not disappoint people, how about being her worth? So why don't we shift to who she is, who she's becoming, those values that are going to carry her through her whole life, like self-confidence and bravery and resilience. So when we focus on the who she is, the natural extension is going to be achievement and accomplishment and she will succeed, but it removes the pressure. It removes this, any sort of ideal message that perfect exists because it doesn't. So we're softening it and making it a little bit more gentle, focusing on her character. And I really, I talk to girls a lot about progress, like step-by-step journeying every single day, making those mistakes. And that's okay. Those are great growth opportunities, but there's no such thing as perfect. You have a great chapter about appearances. And I mean, as adult women, I'm sure you could probably are the same as me. It still can affect you when you're an adult. And you actually tell a great story, which is a sad story in a way too, um, about being made fun of by some kids when you were in school. I was wondering if you'd share that again. Oh, sure. Yes. So in my grade 11 year, I was developing, I was a little bit of a late bloomer. And I remember walking by this group of boys and they were, every time I walked by, they would say farms, like here's farms is coming. Hey farms, how are you doing? I was oblivious. I had no idea what this meant. So I talked to my friend and she knew, but she was really hesitant to tell me. But eventually after my begging and pleading, she said, I, I think that what they've done is they've taken two words, fat and arms, and they've put them together. And that's your nickname. That's what they're calling you. And I had gained a little bit of weight, nothing crazy. I think just normal weight that comes with, with being an adolescent and entering puberty. But I was devastated that number one, they were all talking about me, a group of the most popular boys in the school. And number two, that that they were making fun of my body, which to be honest, Kate, I didn't really realize. Like I remember very, I think very clearly that I felt really good about myself. I didn't notice. I didn't even notice maybe my clothes weren't fitting as well. I just, I honestly felt really beautiful. And I think that was a realization. Oh my gosh, I've been lying to myself. What happened? And, and I, I instantly decided that the best way to cope would be to change my body. Clearly my body was the problem is where my mind went. And I didn't think that what they said was, wasn't real. I didn't think that they were being mean and teenage boys. I just went to a place of something's wrong with me and I can do something. So then I entered a very unhealthy phase of my life 
where I basically, I did change my body. I lost those 15 pounds and probably more and felt awful, felt sad and depressed and horrible. And it was really the beginning of a pattern of unhealthy eating and exercise habits, which, you know, I st it's still with me today a little bit as that coping tool. And I think many of us struggle with that, but it's, it's um, obviously now I have more coping tools, but I didn't tell anyone. I didn't ask for help. I just assumed something was wrong with my body and the solution would be to punish myself. So what can we do with our daughters? Because obviously there's one aspect of appearance in terms of, you know, hygiene and, and making sure you're dressed appropriately and all that sort of thing that is actually, I think, kind of healthy. But then how do we help our daughters not to sink into sort of the negative thoughts, the negative behaviors, comparisons? What can parents do? Can I uh, split this one into mom mm -hmm. and dad? Because I think that um, it's something that's really important that I've learned um, that they do play different roles. Uh, more often than not, mom is the primary caregiver. And I would say probably more of an example when it comes to body and body image. So I, I am asking moms to, to the best of their ability to try to be that positive example, which I understand is, is hard for all of us, but I think it could be an opportunity to share some of our stories and some of our struggles and to even become closer with our daughters by, by talking about our own relationship with our body. But we can do a lot in terms of role modeling, whether we're talking good nutrition, healthy nutrition and exercise habits and sleep and hydration, or whether we're actually going deeper into how do we talk about our bodies? If every time we look in the mirror, we say, ugh, she'll hear us. She'll, mm -hmm. she'll hear that. And she will emulate that, that that's what we should do. That's how we talk about our bodies. And by extension, I think we also talk about other women's bodies and we judge and she'll hear that too. So she learns pretty quickly that her value is based on what we think about her body and what she thinks about her body. And that, that relationship is formed um, pretty early, I would say. So being that great example, looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I love my smile this morning, or I feel really fit and healthy and strong and, and having her emulate that language. And I think, you know, the trap I fall into that I think moms must fall into every day. We compliment their appearance. You look so pretty. I love your outfit. And I'm not saying those are bad compliments, but let's balance them out with you're so brave. I love the effort that you're putting into school right now. You're an amazing friend. Those deeper qualities that really tap into, again, the who she is. And I think we can talk to her a lot about her interests. So when girls focus on what they love to do, their passions, their joys, they're the time that they put into their bodies beyond just, just looking good um, diminishes significantly because they have something beyond their body, something way more, way more important. And dads, oh my gosh, have dads been stepping up lately? But I think they have a very unique opportunity to either push her physically to do things maybe outside of her comfort zone so she can feel strong in her body and take risks, or they can spend time with their daughter doing activities that are totally not physical if she doesn't want to, but really different activities where dads have an opportunity to, again, focus on their values and their character and hopefully offer her just a break from the perfectionism and the stress and just a chance for her to play and be silly and free and have fun and get dirty and messy. And girls tell me all of the time 
how much they love the time that they have with their dads and how they wish they had more. So I think we can, we can divide and conquer. Um, and I think we, we can switch over roles by all means, but I think that there are lots of chances for us to focus beyond her appearance and help her do the same. And how do we know what's normal in terms of you know, girls and their appearances or when something might be kind of getting into the zone of needing professional help, you know, eating disorders, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like where, where's kind of that line between typical teen and okay, you're starting to see something that might be unhealthy. Yeah. It's, it's a hard one to tell because the teen years are typically more focused on appearance. They suddenly notice their appearance and, and start to evaluate where do they fit in with others, either their peers or what they're seeing on social media. I think it's it's case by case, but I always tell parents, you know, really observe. So notice, is she spending a lot of time in, in front of the mirror? And that's not bad. Like you said, we want to look good and we want to take good care of ourselves and practice good good hygiene. But is it becoming obsessive every time she looks, you know, walks by a store window or looking in the mirror for hours at a time? So I think that might give us the opportunity to have a conversation that yes, it's important for her to take care of herself. And what else does she have going on? Sometimes there's not a lot of the what else. So I think that anything we notice can be a chance to be curious about what's happening for her and and the why, like what's going on that she would want to be so focused on her appearance or appearance only. And I think we definitely can watch for eating habits, um, her, her language around eating and, you know, even those little, those little lies I do mention in the book, oh, I've already eaten or I'm going to so-and-so's to eat or, oh yeah, I'm not really hungry or, oh, I'm going to become vegetarian. Like you might hear these and I'm not saying they're necessarily red flags, but check in. Is there more to what she's saying? Is she avoiding meals? Is she starting to not love her body and not be healthy? You have a great chapter on healthy minds. And I mean, mental health is obviously such a, a huge issue for, for teens, for kids, for adults. And again, like when our girls are going through this um, difficult, it's a difficult, a challenging time in their lives, very exciting, but a lot of challenges with it as well. How can we help support that, that mental health? I think, again, it's noticing those signs of stress. So I, I like to um, highlight what I notice to girls. So I might say, you know, you seem you seem really down today, or I notice that you're you're more edgy than normal, and that that's okay to bring that to her awareness. What's happening? And better yet, I like to talk to girls about what do they notice within their own bodies. So if we can empower them with those signs of stress, like I'll give them options. Do you notice that you have a headache? Do you notice that your stomach is really tight? Maybe you're having difficulty sleeping. So sometimes they have no idea of these signs and sometimes they're a little bit more aware, but let's get her to notice her own signs and to explain a little bit about the body's natural survival mechanism, which is fight, flight, or freeze. And which one is is she doing or um, what is her tendency to fight would be to get more edgy and, and truculent with us to um, flight is to escape. And a lot of girls would escape into their phones and social media and to freeze is shut down. So she's not going to want to talk. She's not going to want to share much with us. Maybe she'll start to isolate. So I talk to girls pretty openly about that and try to help them shift from the coping tools that they use, which is often their devices or binge watching Netflix 
and to the more healthy coping tools that they need. So when we give them options that are non-screen related, such as exercising more, practicing good nutrition, um, being able to take time for herself to do nothing or to start to journal about her feelings, then we get into the processing. And when we're getting to that place and helping her get there on her own, then I think we, we start to hear, what is she thinking? So often, many of their thoughts are negative and toxic, or it's the same thought over and over again. So if we can help her reframe some of those thoughts, for example, a really big one is someone didn't text me back, they're mad at me. So I'll say to that, they might be mad at you, that is true. But what else could that mean? Well, that might mean she's busy. That might mean she hasn't had a chance to respond. That might mean she left her phone at home by mistake. So we don't know. She doesn't know. And so giving her those other options, I think, helps her to feel more calm and starts to give her that, that skill, really, of the positive reframe. So I think that there's a lot we can all do to help girls have healthy minds. They are not a victim to all these circumstances. Some stress is real, like what um, what girls experience with a test or a presentation, a little bit of stress, that's good and that's real. But I think that a lot of stress is based on the fact that their thoughts are not healthy and they don't know how to reframe them. And I love how you mentioned too, like a couple of things that parents do to hinder growth is like trying to talk to your child when she's in stress mode and expecting her to talk about her feelings when you are ready to talk. Because sometimes you can kind of get into that conversation, (laughs) that conflict, and it's like you become almost a child yourself, right? You're not reacting like an adult should trying to have that conversation. It's like you have to just know to step back and let them have their space and talk when they're ready. Yeah, I think we get we get afraid and obviously we want to dive in and help so quickly because it's awful to watch someone go through struggle. No one wants to watch someone be uncomfortable. But I think number one, we have to allow her that time and space. So the job is to just help her find calm. That's it. And I think fewer words are definitely better in stress mode. And I think sometimes just planting the seed, like, you know, now doesn't seem like a great time to talk, but let's talk when you're ready and let her come to you. And I think just um, assuring her that you're there for her. So one of the things I think we do is we do take it personally. You don't want to tell me what's wrong. Why don't you want to talk? And that's probably the worst thing that we can do because she can't think clearly. She can't process. So now she's feeling guilty on top of her stress. And so I think we just have to assure her we're there for her in any way that she needs when she's ready to talk and helping her get to calm first. She can't think clearly in stress, so the conversation would likely lead to a fight anyways. You have mentioned girls and their their phones and social media, so that's something I'm thinking about a lot right now. My daughter, who just turned 14, will be getting her first phone as her grade 8 graduation gift. That has always been the, the plan, so she would have one for high school. I mean, at this point, she still uses the iPod Touch she bought when she saved up her money in grade 2, so it's not, not wow. exactly a good device <laughs> at the moment. So things are going to definitely change once she has a real phone, and so I'm kind of wondering what your, what your advice is around all of that, teens, and social media? Oh, such a big one. I don't even know where to start. So I I see it in this, I think, balanced way. I understand that their phones are their lifeline. They love their phones so much and it's not all bad. So I think their phones are instant 
connection. I think their phones are instant um, information, which is fantastic and instant entertainment. So you can spend hours on your phone and be fully entertained. But I think the downside is that they're spending too much time on their phones. And I think in this, it's like a trick. So they go to their phones to de-stress and their phones can actually cause them stress either from what they're seeing on online. So these perfect posts and everyone's so happy on their social media feeds, or they're starting to compare. So where do I fit in? Or they're really they really struggle to keep up and they don't want to miss out. And there's this constant need to check, to scroll, to swipe. And, and I think that's incredibly time consuming, but I think also maybe what we're missing and what I'm just starting to tap into is when they or all of us are on our devices, what are we missing? What are we not doing? And if we go back, if I go back to my life 15 years ago, when I wasn't on my phone, I was relaxing and resting, maybe creating. I was talking to people in real time. And I was doing these things that are so important, like daydreaming, just doing nothing, just downtime and thinking, maybe thinking about my future or reflecting on how I'm doing and setting some goals. So all of these are natural de-stressors. And I think that we are all not making enough time to just be off of our phones and to just live more mindfully. And girls don't know this. So I've started to educate them on this. It's just too much time is the problem. And they're not doing the what else in life. And I know you say we shouldn't take the girls' phones away from them as a consequence. Why do you think that? Mm -hmm. That's such a hard one. I know we want to. (laughs) Well, it is their lifeline. It is their world. And I think when we do that, ultimately, we break relationship. So then she's mad at us. Then what girls start to do is they start to have second and third phones. So they'll find a way. Doesn't, it doesn't matter if we take her phone away. She'll find a way, an old phone, a friend's phone. So now she's on the phone in secret. And now she's carrying the guilt and shame that comes with that, trying to hide her second device from us. So I, I understand why I do, and I probably would want to take it away too sometimes. But I think it's better to be curious and ask her some questions and to get to keeping the relationship and just having open discussion on maybe even just questions like, how much time are you on your phone? Do you know? Because I don't think they have an awareness of, of the real numbers. Or what are you looking at? I'm really curious. Or what are you posting? Because girls need to know that what they post, they cannot take back. So they have to have a responsibility for who they are online. And most curious of all, I ask, why are you online? Because I think we learn a lot when we ask that question. Are you bored and maybe need some new activities? Are you lonely? Are you sad? Are you stressed? I don't know. But when we come at it from this question, um, this place of curiosity and just wondering, I think we get a lot more information that's incredibly invaluable than if we just take the phone away. Moving on now to the topic of girls and friendships. So there can be, you know, a lot of drama surrounding that. It can also be easy for a parent to maybe impress their own judgments about friends onto their kids, try to influence that, um, all of those sorts of things. So what's the best way we can handle our, our teens and their friendships? I usually start with bigger conversations, not about the girl and her friendship and the, you know, the current drama of the day, which is 
sometimes very hard to keep up with. Um, I start with a bigger question about what is a healthy relationship? Because they so often, I mentioned this in the book, but so often they have this toxicity tolerance where they don't even know how poorly they're being treated, or they don't even understand that they're caught up in even an abusive friendship. So I really like to ask them, what does that mean in two ways? So what are they looking for in a friend? And a lot of them have similar answers. They're looking for someone who is kind and respectful and caring and loyal. Loyalty is really high for girls and someone who who's a good listener and maybe just someone who's fun, like just someone who accepts them for who they are. And it's very easy and it flows really well. And often they share some common interests. And the flip question is, what what are, do you not want? Do you know what an unhealthy relationship looks like? And that includes someone who's envious and jealous and mean and, and discouraging and gossips about other girls and puts them down a lot. And, and I ask them the difference. And I feel like at the end of the day, the, maybe the key question is, how does that person make you feel? So I know when I leave a person or a conversation, I want to feel lifted up and better about myself, not worse. I don't want someone who's making me feel that I'm doing something wrong or I should be insecure. And so get helping girls, I think, feel that their gut instinct about a person, their feeling is right always. And by extension, I think we also need to talk to girls about what kind of friend are they being? Because I think sometimes they are not nice to others. I think sometimes they are dismissive or maybe they're jealous too and, and full of judgment. And I think that I just talk to them in an open way about what they're looking for and also what they're willing to offer. And you get some pretty good conversation about those questions. So who they're hanging out with, I know is a concern for parents, especially if they're a negative influence. But I think again, just like with the the identity, we have to give them a little bit of time and space to figure that out for themselves. We can ask the big question though, like, is that person, do you think that person's positive for you or, or not so great for you? Why not? Um, do you think you could expand your circle a little bit and include a few more people so that you have more choice? I think we can come in with bigger questions and that can help a lot. Alongside with the whole friendship um, situation comes peer pressure. And of course, there are things we need to talk to our kids about. I mean, you write about the substance abuse idea, um, things like that. So what are the best ways to talk to our kids? Because I know sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll I shouldn't say you, I will try to have a conversation. It's like, oh, mom, I know that. Oh, mom, I won't. Oh, you know, whatever. So it's like, is it still worth having the conversations, even though you get the eye rolls? Is there kind of a better way to do it? And along with that too, how much do you recommend sharing when kids ask, okay, well, did you ever smoke? Did you ever do this? What are sort of healthy discussions in that area? So I think with peer pressure, if if you do get the uh, the eye roll and yeah, 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 I know, because they do know a lot, that's fine. I think you can go a couple ways. I think you can ask them what they know. So I like to know, what do you know? What are the other girls talking about? And that gives us a chance to either add to it if we if we can, or maybe fact correct if it's if it's not entirely true. Right now, a lot of girls will tell you that vaping's okay. Vaping is okay because it's not like smoking. It's not that bad. And that only comes from media campaigns. That only comes from the people trying to sell girls the product. So that's not true. I would fact correct that one really, really carefully. So find out what they know. Again, asking questions is a great starting point. 
if she doesn't want to hear the typical conversation, I think it's great to use social media and just to ask about what she sees online in terms of girls who are, let's say, experimenting with drugs or alcohol or or exploring the sexual realm. And I think it's okay to use other people. Sometimes those are safer conversations or you're watching Netflix together or you're watching a movie or she's following a series. Just ask her about those people, those girls or those characters and just ask her her thoughts on that. And, and if she's experienced it and Hey, if you've experienced it, like, what have you done? Like, what are some of your phrases to get out of peer pressure? I'm just really about opening up the conversation. Um, in terms of what do I share? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I said that in the book. I shared just enough. So <laughs> to be honest, they don't necessarily want to always hear our stories. So I always ask if they would like a story. And if they say yes, I'll, I'll tell them what they need to know. Um, I'm pretty honest and I just don't tell them all the details. So I might tell them that I... I did experiment with alcohol and that the truth is I didn't like it at all. So then I had to figure out a way to almost pretend to drink and that's how I dealt with it. But I just, it just wasn't my thing. At the end of the day, I checked in with myself. I didn't feel good. I didn't like it. I did not see the point. So I just, I just tell them that I said, but lots of my friends did. I might tell stories about my friends that they, they um, drank so much that I think there was more of an addiction issue. So I think that that's up to you. But I, for me, what, what I felt comfortable with was telling just enough. If, if in fact they wanted to hear the story. I love your last section called 20th century girl, kind of about talking to our daughters about their futures. Um, and I, I like where, what's the quote here where you say, be the dream booster, not the dream buster. <laughs> so I just want to talk about that specific one for a second, because it can be hard when, you know, girls may have ideas and you want to be practical, like even when they're talking about future careers or that sort of thing, right? You want them to have information about it, make practical decisions. But again, you don't want to be that dream buster. So what's kind of the best balance there? Yeah. So I say, let girls dream. There is no harm, even if you think that is the most ridiculous idea. So for example, in the book, I talked to a girl who wanted to be a doctor because I think she was watching Grey's Anatomy but hates science and doesn't, I don't think, have the dedication or the work ethic that's required. But I just went along with it and just, you know, we continue talking about it. And, and eventually she realized that wasn't her thing. But the damage would be done if I said, that's ridiculous. You are not doctor material. Please dream something else. Because then I've just deflated her hope. I don't want to do that. So whatever it is, even if it sounds like a crazy idea, just ask her about it and ask if she wants some support, whether that's researching or maybe connecting with uh, connecting her with someone in the community that is doing that job. And she can just have a conversation. And that's all part of the process of exploring. So don't want that. Don't want that. Don't want that. Those are all good. That is all good knowledge so that she's closer to, to know what she does want. So I just say explore and like have fun with it. Just you have, we all have to trust the process. She eventually will realize on her own that it might not be the best fit for her. But there is no harm, in my opinion, in just following the dream. If anything, that will bring that will bring us closer to her because she feels that we're on her side. We believe in her, and maybe it's not what she chooses, but we'll believe in the next idea, and we'll just keep 
um, supporting whatever it is she's thinking that day. It changes fast, right? They change oh, their yes. ideas so fast, but it's all about being on her side and supporting her and knowing that whatever she decides, at the end of the day, we want her to be happy. That's what every girl told me, that they were worried that they would grow up and they would not be happy. So let's, let's follow the dream. This has been such a fantastic conversation. I feel like so much food for thought. Everything's uh, swirling around in my mind right now. Um, the last question I want to ask you that I always ask my guests is, do you have a favorite thing to share with our listeners? Yes, I thought very long and hard about this one. And so right now, especially, I think my most favorite thing, what's helping me the most is who I'm following on social media. And I've decided to pick only the positive people, only the inspiring people. One of the best social media um, influencers right now is, is called at Positively Present. And I just love the content that she's putting out there. They're very positive messages. They're very hopeful. And they're also very practical. Like the other day, there was a beautiful post about coping statements, all colorful, all really great ideas for how to boost ourselves up and to, to get through difficulty. And I think that's what we need. We need to fill our minds with positive thoughts and love and hope and, and much less fearful thoughts. And I would just recommend following her. So at Positively Present. Excellent. I will do that. So Lindsay Seely's brand new book, Rooted, Resilient, and Ready, Empowering Teen Girls as They Grow is available now. And anyone with a teen in their life should go pick that up. Thank you for being here, Lindsay. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of episode 48 of This Mom Loves. So wherever you are in uh, quarantine or self-isolation or doing your social distancing thing, thank you for being here with me today. Take care of yourself. Follow whatever recommendations you're getting from the proper officials where you live. And try not to be too hard on yourself either. I know moms especially listening to this podcast in terms of the homeschooling and the dealing with kids at home, especially if you're trying to still work from home, get your job done. If they sit in front of the TV for a day, it's okay. I promise I'm a teacher. They're going to be fine. My kids have made it to 14 and almost 12 and they've had days in front of Netflix and they're still fine as of right now. So it's all going to work out eventually. Focus on the health, focus on everybody's mental health, the stress and anxiety this might be causing in your house or for people close to you that you need to kind of touch base with. Just make sure you're doing all of that. If you kind of have things sort of under control, it is a great time to just enjoy spending that time with your family or everybody sitting in separate rooms and enjoying a little bit of time to themselves. It's easy for me to say as an introvert because as of right now, I've only been uh, doing this for a few days and I'm still not sick of it yet because I love to just sit on the couch and read a book and go tidy up a closet or, you know, just get online and do my online thing. So I'm okay with it. I am already starting to miss the movies, the movie theater, because I have I hadn't been for a little while before this started and now I know I won't be for a while again. And then even um, restaurants, we haven't done, you know, delivery or takeout options. Um, at this point, which, you know, I don't know whether we will or not, but certainly restaurants are closed, so there's no going in there to eat anymore. So the winds have actually been cooking. I can't believe how often we've run the dishwasher. That's always a sign in my house because, I mean, usually on school days, we're all eating lunch at school, so there are no dishes. And then, um, you know, in the evenings out of seven days in a week, at least two, let's say 
three probably we're eating out somewhere we're going out for breakfast on the weekend or whatever so running the dishwasher all the time is, is a good sign but it's also kind of forcing us to be a little bit healthier and finding time to get on the treadmill do those strength training things that I was talking about earlier in the show so I'm just trying to embrace you know the positive that can be found here and uh, I guess we just take it day by day we do what our our officials are asking us to do and keep praying and hoping for um, the best result we can get Again, thank you for being here with me today. Thank you to my fantastic podcast editor, Lucas Wojcicki, still working away on this from where he is located. And uh, until next time, everybody take care.